Hey, you're listening to Innovators Can Laugh, the fun startup podcast. I'm your host, Eric Melcher. On ICL, we interview an innovative entrepreneur in the European tech startup scene every week. My goal is to have my guests share their wisdom while having a little fun in the process. Now let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Eric here from Innovators Can Laugh. I'm here today with Alex Angel, co-founder of Romanian startup Solo. Solo is the first full digital service for setting up and managing a sole proprietorship. And everything can be managed from your phone. They have around 20 employees and are on pace to generate around 320,000 euros for the 2022. Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me and thanks for the great intro. Yeah, my pleasure. So first question I have for you, Alex, is when was the first time you got your taste of entrepreneurship? Actually, I grew up in a household in which both my father and my grandfather were entrepreneurs. Okay. And uh, and so that's where I kind of got the first image of it, truly, for someone else, not for myself. Were they selling a product or a service? Funny enough, funny enough, my grandfather had actually had an accounting company. So he had like a, an old school <laughs> accounting service. <laughs> okay. Okay. And my dad also was also into services, something else. Now, did your grandfather always carry around a calculator or, you know, pencil and pen doing number <laughs> calculations and things like that? Then no, no, no. He, he was a pure communist. So he only had the other people doing things for him. So <laughs> no, <laughs> but he acted in the way he had the, the prestige for himself that he's a great accountant. Okay. So when you were as a kid... Did you know that, hey, I want to be like my grandfather and be an entrepreneur or was there something, another profession that you wanted to be? Definitely not. Definitely. Actually, when I went to uni, I went to economics bachelor. I despised accounting. I said, this is a job which is meant to be automated instantly. And I, there's definitely no way I'm ever going to do accounting. That's what I said back then. Yeah. And I was really attracted by management. That was the, the big thing for me. Yeah, and then an internship somewhere in Bucharest on a small management consulting company, and I found out about the big McKinsey BCG company. So I was really excited. About it. Okay, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Well, what about another profession like being a lock picker, for for instance? You know, you never thought about that. <laughs> Look, the lock picking is just a hobby. I I do love it. It's it's just it's like it's like the most amazing type of puzzle solving. I do think you can make a career of it, but I don't think. You're going to get away clean slate after that. <laughs> well, how did you get into it? I mean, how did this become a hobby, right? So I browse YouTube quite a lot. And this has kind of been the only thing that's been constant, regardless of how much or how much I like for it. And one of the channels that I follow on YouTube is called The Lockpicking Lawyer. And it's the, I'm sure you're familiar with YouTube as a platform in general and how creators work in it. But the lockpicking law, the lockpicking lawyer is like the opposite of a traditional YouTube. He makes videos way under what the algorithm considers like great videos. So he, the, he never passes the 10 minute threshold. He doesn't ever say subscribe or follow or anything. He gets to the point. He has a lock and he says, hi, hello everyone. This is lock X from uh, master lock and they were going to open it. And he just spends 30 seconds or 45 seconds opening the lock says, Congratulations, it's not a great lock. Goodbye. That's it. And it's so therapeutic because he counts. It's an art, right? You don't have anything visual. It's a video. Of course, you see him picking the lock, but it's all about the sound. And because you can't hear as well as he does, it's a bit of ASMR as well in it because he just he picks locks as nothing on pin number one, got a little bit on pin number two. Okay, three set. 
before and then it clicks. So it's very satisfying from a sensorial like audio perspective. So I highly recommend it. Very therapeutic. And I said, I have to do this. I have to try this. You're the first person that I've ever heard saying picking locks is therapeutic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, I can imagine, are you walking through the aisles of Dedeman? And for those who don't know, Dedeman is like the Home Depot here in Romania. And are you looking at these locks and, and, and telling yourself, yeah, I can pick that one. Yeah, I can pick that one. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have two things to say about this because it's a huge problem for the lock picking community in Romania. So first of all, yes, a lot of the locks are super basic. So they're super easy, even for someone who is not experienced. Like I, I've only been doing this for a couple of years, trying and learning things, but I cannot do anything complicated. So it's, it's kind of a sad thing that a lot of the locks lowest complexity ones. But there's a, a second thing is that in order to be good at lockpicking, you have to, of course, like anything else, you have to practice. It. And the idea is not to practice on the same lock. If you practice on the same lock, you just learn the, it's, it's that doing the same puzzle over and over again. You, you get no extra experience from doing it the third or fourth. Okay. So what you have to do is you take the same model of lock, but you need 20 of them because it's the same technology, but it's a different pin layout. So you learn a lot from doing this, getting like 20 of the same model, but they're all different in their own ways, of course. So, and doing that. But in Romania, there is no such thing as a secondhand lock, a lock mark. In Romania, people only change your locks if they break. So you cannot find secondhand locks. That means that all of the locks you have to buy in order to practice are brand new and they're extremely expensive. So it's super expensive to practice. And for example, the lock lawyer, he says, just go on, go on. It's, a, it's that like, you know, generic sales shop in the US, like an online platform, you, you sell all kinds of all your junk. eBay? Uh, no, you know, Craigslist. Craigslist. Okay. Just, just go on Craigslist, Craigslist and buy. 20 or 30 lots are going to be like five bucks. And it's going to be, I'm like, no, no, it's 10, it's $10 just for one lock. I'm going to get poor if I buy 20 of them. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a lock picking community here in, in Bucharest or Romania? I'm not, I'm not that deep down the rabbit hole yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've kept it to myself, but, but I have seen some Facebook groups about it. Okay. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So before we get into solo, I want to talk about something that I learned about you. You spent some time in a village in the Alps in Austria. What were you doing there? And what was that experience like, Alex? Yeah, it was, it was purely an amazing experience. I, I grew up in a relatively big city. It's for Romania, at least it's around 200,000 population size. Then I moved to Bucharest. And when I finished my bachelor's, I moved to Vienna. Uh, and I was in Vienna for like six years. And one year I had the opportunity. So always big cities, so relatively big cities. Yeah. So, and, and one, one of these years whilst I was in Vienna, I had the opportunity to go work for a company, which is based out of Liechtenstein. It's like the one big company Liechtenstein has. It's a, it's a 10,000 people country, maybe a 50,000. And it's called Hildi. They make power tools. Okay. And I said, yeah, that, that sounds like fun. Let's do it. So I moved to this village in Austria, really, really rural side of Austria, like Literally no big cities, nothing. The biggest metropolitan center had like 20,000 people. And I lived in this village and I crossed the borders to Liechtenstein every single day with the bus to go to work. And it was just amazing because it's the absolute opposite. You have the one bar, you have three restaurants, a cheap one, a medium one, and a, an expensive one. Uh -huh. You, every Sunday, it's a fair and everybody brings their homemade goods and everybody's there. So you meet a lot of people. 
and the sense of community, I was just astonished by it. I, I expected to be, you know, kind of, we live in a, an era where it's not really that welcoming, especially in traditional communities, to have outsiders or foreigners move in, especially from poor countries. But I was so welcomed. I remember one morning I was, I was running towards the bus, I was late, mm-hmm. and a neighbor who I had never met before, yeah, just stopped, opened this side door, and said, stop hopping out here. <laughs> Okay. It, was, it, was, it was insane. And every weekend we meet the same people at, this, at the one bar and yeah. we have so much fun. And it was such a tight community and a lot of sports, of course, a lot of outdoorsy stuff if, if you're into that. But just, it was a complete, everybody went to church. I started going to church. I'm not even a Catholic. <laughs> that's where everybody and, was at. <laughs> but that's what you could not do anything else on Sunday. Yeah. So it's, and just everything about being in that community was so, so supportive. It was a completely different life experience, right? And made some of my long life friends out of that. Very, very cool. Did you speak the language? Are you, do you speak German or Austrian? I do, sp- I do speak German, but to be honest, in that region of the world, it's useless. Like even Germans can't understand what, <laughs> what the Swiss folk are talking. Okay. Especially in rural areas, the, the accent is so, so strong. Yeah. 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 I'm like, but that. I, I got fine. Okay. I'm like that with people from Ireland, you know, they, they speak English, but I, I don't understand it. <laughs> okay. Well, tell us about Solo. What problem does your startup solve and what do customers get excited about when they discover it? So Solo is, as you mentioned, it's basically a tool that helps you get paid or we, we say we sell ease of mind because when we looked at this market, especially in Romania specifically, because this is where we started, this is where our products are still oriented at. We've only been lodged for like 10 months. The problem is that traditional accounting services are extremely are expensive. They're not of good quality. They're not of consistent quality. So like one accountant's going to give you one experience and one accountant's give you a different experience. And this is applicable to any size of company. Now, we realized that there's a huge boom in the past two years in the gig economy, right? So you have like ride sharing, you have the guys who deliver food, but also you've got the internet economy. So you have YouTube person. TikTok influencers, yeah. Instagram influencers. So there's a lot of people working by themselves who all of a sudden have to put up with what we think is one of the most bureaucratic and the not digital economies in Europe. I'm going through so the experience right now. I have an accountant and every quarter I send her my expenses, but I, I have no idea what she does or where they go or what paperwork she files on my behalf or anything like that. It's like a, it's like a black box. Exactly. So this is exactly, your problem is the exact problem that we wanted to fix. So we said, why not? This has to be simple enough that we can build a tool which automates everything so no human is, because people make mistakes, for sure. So a robot that doesn't make a mistake. Secondly, giving you all the transparent information about where you're at. How much money am I making? How much taxes am I expecting to pay at the end of the year? Is Are all of my tax statements filled in and, and you know, sent to the to the it's called authority in time. And we wanted to build this. So we built it. And we also wanted the cherry on top because we have an advantage in Romania. At least I personally think I have an advantage because Rom- Romanians are not used to good quality services. They're not used to having a great experience with a service provider. Hey, neither are the expats that live here. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But, but especially you coming from the U.S., you have the experience of having an amazing experience with, with service providers. They're, they're fighting for your money. They want to give you an awesome customer experience. Yeah. So we said, we're going to build that as well. Because accountants traditionally are not the 
friendliest bunch, and especially in Romania. And we said, we're just going to build a digital wall that also, when you call us or when you write to us, you're going to feel like, wow, these people know what they're doing, guys. So that's what we did. That's what Sol is. It's basically a friendly digital account. All right. Well, this sounds exciting. It sounds like something I need to try. And actually, I want to try because I would love to have that transparency of what's going on with, you know, my taxes and uh, my payments and, you know, all the expenses, just having that in one central location that I could access pretty easily. And it's simple to understand. So I'm definitely going to try it out. Who was the first investor of Solo? And what was that experience like, Alex? So we started off, I, I started by quitting my former job as a management consultant. I used to work for a consulting group mm-hmm. and I quit kind of had maybe two, three months of, of thinking about what I want to do next. I knew what I want to go into entrepreneurship, but I hadn't found this idea of solo. I, and when I started working by the actual kind of research on what I want to do, topics I'm interested in, I joined an incubator, which is called Novel Ventures. And here, and th- this incubator is actually run by an experienced entrepreneur in Romania who has a multiple exits. He's built multiple businesses here and he wanted to make a, a, let's say kind of a school to teach other entrepreneurs to do the same. Mm-hmm. And we became, and we were friends. We knew each other from, from before and told me that he wants to open this incubator. So I joined it and he was also the first investor in. All right. All right. And so the experience was not that complicated. Basically, I had to buy what I wanted to do. Like I had two months uh-huh. to build a very, very solid business case, say how much money I needed and have at least, you know, 150 to 200 potential customer interviews in order to build kind of like a presentation and in, in which he decided, yes, it's a go. Here's some money. Having worked with this person that who was your friend, but had been involved and many successful startups and exits and learning from him, what advice would you give to anyone who's trying to fundraise for their startup? Okay. So first things first, I think, so it was a privilege for me, right? Like I had no entrepreneurial experience and my, and the, the, the entrepreneurs in my family that told you about it, they were more classical, yep. not really revolutionizing anything, but kind of seeing I'm good at this. So I'm going to turn it into a small business. He, Bogdan, who I, I'm working with now, even now as well, he has, uh, you know, more, you know, had, let's be disruptive, let's be revolutionary in this market perspective. So there are a few things that I learned a lot from him from the beginning in terms of how to hire, which is extremely important, how to, you know, manage your money, what to, what kind of decisions you make based on instinct and what kind of decisions you have to do a lot of research before, before making how to build a product that people love how to use, love to use, and how to build a product that is as simple as possible. Especially in accounting, it's easy to go into a, into that version of a product which has a million toggles and buttons and all of the responsibilities on you, the let's say the owner of the business, to decide what is each setting. But we wanted to build a product in which we decide all the settings if you just focus on your own. So I learned a lot about financing, about the product, about the team from him. And in terms of my advice to new startup founders, I think definitely the first one is bootstrap for as long as you can, because it's all the more empowering when you go to an investor with a, with an MVP, which has just a little bit of traction, you know, it has its first users. They love using it. They give you feedback. You've, you've validated some of the hypotheses around your product. It's not your business model. So bootstrap for as long as you can. That's definitely number one. And then when it actually comes to, okay, it's time to raise, raise funds. 
startup, the first thing you want to do is understand your local, regional, and global competition extremely well. That's going to be a lot of questions around it. And nobody, if you say, I'm the first one ever to do this, nobody, everybody's going to be super skeptical. Nobody's going to believe. So either if you do something truly revolutionary, nobody's done it, you have to bring some real solid evidence about it. But in most cases, you're going to have competition. You have to have a really good mastery. Second of all, be really good with your numbers. So whether it's five customers use the product, whether it's a hundred customers use the product, you have to be so capable of understanding every little number in your business model, in your product before explaining it to a potential investor. And third of all, find investors who understand your market, who understand the value proposition, the underlying value proposition. Because if you're trying to teach someone about your market, it's just going to be a, an extremely difficult uphill battle where that person is kind of thinking, oh, but the business I invest in don't have this churn, or they usually have a much higher ticket value. Yeah. Whilst your business is small, it's based on volume. I've not I've done this before. So they're never going to say I've not done this before. Yeah. Investors don't. <laughs> they don't have a humble approach to this problem. They know everything, right? or they, they try to act like they know everything. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So you have to find an investor who understands your market. Got it. And then finally, you know, don't be afraid of, invest, of finding an investor. I think this is a huge, if you have an interesting product and you're capable of verbalizing the value proposition and you're passionate about it. For example, we just, we're just participating with Solo at this How To Web conference, which is a huge startup conference in Bucharest. And we participated in the main pitching competition, Spotline, which had a potential prize investment, half a million euros. And one of the startups that made it to the final was a coding school. And this guy who's from Moldova, Emil, he made the most passionate, most most interesting, most convincing pitch I've ever seen. Even though it, it those is an online coding platform, don't yeah. think it's something revolutionary. I, I met him in person a few weeks ago, and, oh, well. and just having just chatting with him for like two or three minutes, you could tell he was very passionate and believed in what he wanted to do. And I was excited. I, I yeah. you know I was excited about it. Learning just in that two or three minutes, wanting to learn more, but not not only that, you could just you could just tell that from his heart that what he was doing, it was about changing lives, right? And so what, when you're telling me this, I'm like, I met that guy. And yeah, he is, <laughs> he is so persuasive and convincing, but I think it's from a genuine place. Yeah, Exactly. It's, it's it, when, you're, when, you, when an investor sees that you love your product, he believes that you're going to do the best possible for, thing for that business model. You're going to work your ass off. Yeah. So these are the things that I would say when you're raising your first round of best investment. And... I definitely recommend a lot more startups go and look for funds in the in head of the official investor community. Yeah. I think in Romania, it's still an underdeveloped industry and more startups could get access to funds to build whatever they're trying to build. Awesome, Alex. Okay, a few more questions, some around your personality. First question is for you is, what is a habit, skill, or something that you do that you feel has contributed a lot to your success thus far? Well, <laughs> it's, I will call it success, but sure, <laughs> Let's, I'll think about some of the things I'm, I think I'm doing right. So I, I at least in the, in the context of the startup and in, in, in any other professional context that I've been in, I think what I do right is, first of all, I listen a lot. I, I really prefer hearing everyone's opinion before wasting mine. Okay. And that has helped me, you know, make better decisions and think things through, involve a lot more people in the decision-making process. So it's one thing. And the second of all, I value feedback 
immensely. And our entire culture at Solo has been built around. I appreciate it when I worked at BCG, the fact that you're surrounded by super, super smart individuals and you're constantly learning from them. You're never the smartest person ever. So I, 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 I appreciated that context and the value of getting feedback from these super smart people. Mm-hmm. And I, when I started working at Solo, we actually read the founding team. We read No Rules Rules, the, the book about the Netflix culture. And uh, I highly recommend this book. For me, it was it's very inspiring. And one of the pillars of their culture is very direct, very open feedback and constant feedback. Mm-hmm. And we implemented this from the ground up in Solo and everybody gives and receives feedback. And I think it's a huge added value for any organization. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's important to me, for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Now for some fun questions for you, Alex, what is a favorite TV show or movie that you can watch again and again? Sopranos. Okay. I love The Sopranos. <laughs> it's just, it's so gritty. It's so real life. And it's this character who I don't know if anybody's watched. I mean, a lot of people have watched the discussion. Yeah. But I love the fact that the, the hero is so conflicted about his own actions. About the fact that he, though he's a mafia boss, he believes he's the good guy. He believes he's doing the right thing at all times. And I love that because everybody believes they're doing the right thing. <laughs> that's one of the few series I have I have watched like the entire series I've seen a few episodes here and there and I, I know it's you know highly acclaimed I know a lot of people love it and I think I just need to find some time to put it on the list and, and watch it because I feel like I'm missing out <laughs> for sure for sure yeah okay what is a well you're a, I, you actually you already said this I was going to ask you what is a book an article maybe a podcast or something that is impacted how you think and run your startup. And you mentioned the book, No Rules, Rules by no uh, rules. Stop's company, Netflix. So the other question I have for you now is instead of stock options and bonuses, you now give your new hires what, Alex? What do you now give them? So let me think about this. If I'm, if the objective were locks to, to... Pick, locks to pick, and if they pick, a, <laughs> if they pick the lock, they can get some stock options. <laughs> No, but that's that's actually a really good idea. Yeah, that's absolutely a really cool challenge. I th- I think I would make them you know, maybe in order to get to the stock options, they could they could like have to write essays about their colleagues or something like that. I would like to see the creativity burst out of people in in thinking a lot about what they would say to their colleagues. That's all I would like to give them as a challenge. Okay. Okay. All right, Alex, thank you so much for being on the show. Show notes on the website for this interview can be found on the website. If you enjoyed any of this, then you're going to love what I'm about to tell you. If you go to innovatorscanlaugh.com, substack.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to the show. This is where I'm going to share my key takeaways from each episode. Alex, thank you for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure for me as well. Okay, everyone, have a wonderful week and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, I'd really appreciate it if you could give us a review and star rating. Also, don't forget to sign up for the ICO newsletter at innovatorscanlaugh.com where you can get the bio and details of each guest. Thanks. Thanks.